What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Well, good morning. Welcome into Big Orange Sunday. We are, of course, brought to you, as you just heard, by Wilson Bank and Trust, Middle Tennessee Community Bank. Well, the Tennessee Volunteers, they're through nine practices now, and also one scrimmage. That's as of yesterday. We're just a little under, or a little over, I guess how you look at it, two and a half weeks away from the Thursday night opener against Bowling Green. Today, I'm going to take a real good look back at the first scrimmage this past Thursday. We'll talk about it. We'll look ahead to Tennessee's second scrimmage, which will be Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. We're also going to look at what this makeup of the 2021 team looks like right now as we talk today, Sunday, August 15th. I had the opportunity to watch Thursday's scrimmage, visit with several of the coaches uh, before and afterwards, and I'll also be going to Knoxville for Tuesday morning's very important second scrimmage. Kind of interesting and a bit different. Uh, there have been a few head coaches I know that have done this over the past, but Coach Josh Hypo has decided to practice in the mornings. Uh, I knew he was going to do it in uh, fall camp before school started, uh, but uh, I learned uh, Thursday, probably should have known it before, he's going to continue doing this through the season. Exactly how that will work, don't know. Uh, but that's the plan right now. Now, there are pros and cons to this. Again, there's been other coaches that have tried this. I don't think anyone tried it, uh, certainly when I was coaching over there. Coach Majors didn't. Uh, but this head coach thinks that's the best thing for this team. That's what he's going to go with. Again, a lot of pros, few cons on it, I guess. If you can work school in there, probably a pretty good thing to do. All right, let's get started. First, I want to go over a couple of really what I think neat off-the-field items are that are going on at the University of Tennessee. Let's start with this. You probably read a little bit, a bit about it, about the trailblazer statutes that Tennessee is uh, uh, putting up before the first ball game. I don't know the exact, uh, all the ins and outs about this. I do know who's going to be honored, and I know where why they're going to be honored. Uh, four young men, well, four young men at the time, who were trailblazers from the Af African community side of the ball at the University of Tennessee. Lester McLean, the first black football player at the University of Tennessee. 1968 was his first year. I know, I know all four of these young men. Uh, I know all, all four of them, uh, uh, three of them really well. Uh, one of them, Jackie Walker, I did not know that well, but I did know him. Lester McLean, however, I see him often. He lives here in Nashville. Of course, he came from here. Wide receiver and kind of interesting. In the 1968, he was a year behind me. He was a sophomore. Uh, I was a junior my first year at Vanderbilt. I was a defensive back that year. And when we played Tennessee at the end of the season, it was my uh, job to cover man-to-man -man Lester McLean all over the football field. Tennessee won that game 10-7. to since that time, uh, our friendship has grown. Seem often around here, so I'm in a meeting not too long ago with several other Tennessee folks. Highly successful businessman uh, and a uh, a great ambassador, quite frankly, for the University of Tennessee. Jackie Walker, 
You all remember him a year, I believe, behind Lester, maybe two. Uh, I actually played a little bit against him the next year in Knoxville. Uh, he was a linebacker. At that time, he was not starting. The linebackers back then, by the way, were Reynolds, Kiner, and Woody, and three pretty good players. Jackie Walker went on to have a spectacular career His uh, the next year, his uh, sophomore, junior year, and maybe it was his sophomore year, junior year, excuse me, uh, in 1970, uh, had the opportunity to watch him play, and what a great, great football player. He was the prototype, really, for today's a lot of today's linebackers. I don't know how much Jackie Walker weighed. My guessing is he probably weighed under 190, but he didn't play like that all over the field. Uh, I don't have his stats in front of me, but from recalling past history and reading and knowing a little bit about him, I believe he had four interceptions to return for touchdowns. He was part of that group that had the still national record of 36 interceptions uh, in a season. Uh, anyway, uh, Jackie Walker, great player, passed away early, I think, uh, 50, early 50s. Highly thought of by his teammates. Uh, I know several of that group because that was my era. Guys like uh, uh, well, several folks out there. Coach Former was, was, was part of that, Carl Johnson. And they all talked talk glowingly about what a teammate he was and obviously what a great player that he was. Condridge Holloway, don't have to say too much about Condridge. Everybody knows who Condridge is, what he did. Uh, was a longtime employee at Assistant Athletic Director at the University of Tennessee. And, of course, T. Martin uh, after that. T., the, uh, uh, the quarterback who uh, won Tennessee's uh, second uh, undisputed, as they say in heavyweight circles, national championship. Now, why are they there? Well, trailblazers, exactly what they said. Each one of those men were the first of the African-American community, had first at Tennessee. All that's going to be talked about. It's uh, going to happen before the first ball game. I, for one, think it's pretty darn neat. The second thing, the Johnny Majors Classic prior to the second game. Well, interesting, and I think a fitting tribute. We play Pitt that game, and I don't know anybody that had more of a, an impact on the University of Pittsburgh football than John Majors did. And he certainly is one of the top two or three impactful coaches at the University of Tennessee. He will be honored. I don't know, again, exactly. I haven't seen all of the details on that. But, uh, again, a, a, uh, the first two ball games. Uh, and th these, uh, these things, I think, were being talked about a little bit before. I know that certainly the Trailblazer statues were. But a big kudos to, uh, to Danny White for uh, he's the guy that had to get all this thing put together. How exactly it's going to work out, we'll see. We'll have more information about that. But I think two neat things, welcoming football and welcoming fans and welcoming supporters back to the University of Tennessee. The Trailblazer statue, the first ball game in the Johnny Major Classic. And I uh, believe I'm correct on this. Any future games that Pitt and the Vols will play will be – referred to as the Johnny Majors Classic. A quick recruiting update uh, on this, and then we're going to get into the meat of the show, which is going to be about what this team looks like. Tennessee uh, setting, still sitting right now at 14. Uh, they uh, have uh, uh, the uh, uh, they have uh, uh, 11, I guess, scholarships that remain. All of those are high school players. 
the signing date is right around December 20th. How many, if any, scholarships will be lost to the recruiting investigation? I'll talk about that in just a second. We don't know right now. It's my understanding Tennessee, well, I'll talk about that in a minute because that's changed a little bit. And we also don't know how many of the 25 yearly scholarships allowed uh, Coach uh, Heupel uh, will save for the transfer portal players. But Tennessee is sitting at 14 right now. Now, the, the recruiting investigation update. Uh, the athletic director had a little to say about this, very little. Uh, but I will tell you this, uh, that uh, after talking to some very key people involved in the board of trust uh, and also people that will help make this decision, it is my understanding well, let me put it this way. It's not my understanding. Tennessee is being pushed by several, um, at least a couple uh, that I know of, big donors, a couple of very influential people at the University of Tennessee that regarding the recruit investigation is really to, uh, to, to offer nothing, uh, no punishment at all. Now, I don't know if, I don't know if that's the direction Tennessee is going to go in. As I told you in the past, I know that they were prepared or preparing to uh, to take 10 scholarships off and go down to 75 uh, for over a period of time. They were going to do that all this year. I don't know if that's still in effect. That may have changed. But I think the uh, I don't I do know this, the happenings and the ongoing things that are happening with the NCAA, the implosion of the NCAA, quite frankly, we'll see what happens there again. And I want to emphasize this. That is all in the chancellor's office. Uh, does the athletic department, the athletic director have some input? Absolutely. But this is in the chancellor's office and has been. And if you saw uh, Danny White's, uh, the athletic director White's uh, comments on this, uh, throughout this investigation, Tennessee has been working per, per their words directly with the NCA and the Southeastern Conference. Uh, on every interview that they have, on everything they've gone through, they're up to date. So there doesn't have really have to be a, a report uh, on this because they've been involved in it also. And I will say this, just from looking at things in the past, and I'm, I'm putting a little caveat in here because, quite frankly, I don't know anybody that really knows what's going to happen when we get through all this with the NCAA, and I'm talking about college athletics, not, not the University of Tennessee investigation, as a matter. Uh, the NCAA is going to be significantly different than what we know it is. And I don't know that anybody knows that right now. But I do know this, Tennessee being pressured and pushed uh, by several uh, influential uh, alumni to, hey, let's just go on about our business. Don't uh, agree to do anything, uh, take any type of punishment on this at all. Uh, we'll see how that goes on. But anyway, that's what I know about that right now. Okay. Uh, let's get into, uh, let's get into, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the season. Let's get into practices. Let's get into what This past Thursday, first scrimmage in Neyland. Let me first say this, uh, just hit that. I like to talk about this because this is, this is really mindful to know. You know, first, why are there scrimmages? Why, why are they so important for coaches and ultimately the players? Well, here's the way to look at it because this is the way coaches look at it. Scrimmages, are tests, just like when you and I were in school, maybe some of you still are, you have tests. What, what do you take a test for? What does a teacher give you a test for? And coaches are teachers. They're teaching football. 
Well, they give you a test. You took tests. I took tests to find out exactly where we were at that particular time in the subject matter that we were discussing. That's what a scrimmage is. It is a test. And they're very important for both the coach and the player. For the coach, all right, we know what the end of the, of, of the term means where we're trying to head. Where are we in the teaching and the progression of that? And then you take that and you move on with the rest of practice, which Tennessee did yesterday uh, after they took Friday off after the Thursday practice. For the players, it's the same way, just like when you were a student. Hey, man, I'm on top of this, or, you know, I, I, didn't, you know, I didn't know what that two plus two equals. So that's why tests are very, that's why scrimmages are very, very important. All right, let's talk a little bit about the first scrimmage. Quite frankly, uh, I did not know what to expect when I went up to watch the scrimmage. Didn't know this past Thursday. Now, I'm just going to give you some observations as I was sitting there watching it. By the way, while I was there, I had an opportunity to visit with Coach Fulmer. He was there for most of it. Pat Ryan, who I'll have on the show in a couple of weeks. Pat, of course, will now be analyzing the ball games. Uh, and also a couple of other people, Charlie Anderson, a few other former players who were there. Not a lot of folks at the scrimmage, uh, I guess primarily because it was a Thursday morning. Again, I didn't know what to expect going in. And let me just say this, just from watching the scrimmage, thinking about it, driving back to Nashville, this was as good a first scrimmage as I think I have seen. Let me repeat that. I didn't know what, exactly what to expect. But this was about as good, not about, it was as good a first scrimmage as I've seen that Tennessee team, team have, and especially the ones, the 10 years that I coached there. There were a few motion penalties, jumping off sides, primarily offensive penalties, not many defensive penalties at all. But for the great majority of the, of the day, it was crisp play, good, solid tackling, hitting, staying in position for the most part. And even though offensively there was some sloppy play there, uh, but not sloppy from the standpoint of, you know, sloppy for sloppiness, if you know what I mean. There was, a, you know, a few offsides penalties, you know, but getting set and and just looking at it and knowing what the coaches, I, I believe, were trying to get accomplished, it was an A-plus scrimmage from that standpoint. I'm not talking about, you know, individual players, not that they don't have work to do, but it was a very good look. So it looked, it looked like a well-coached football team for that particular scrimmage. And they were running the plays fast, fast, fast. I watched last spring uh, uh, their team periods when they were going against the defense. And just, again, my view on this right now, I know they're going to run fast plays. I know they're going to get the ball snapped quickly. I know that's their goal. Even knowing that going in, it was still impressive to me how quickly they really run the plays, how quickly they get up and get set, how quickly, for the most part, that ball comes out of that quarterback's hands. So, again, looking as it is a test, defensively, if I was a defensive coordinator on this team, I would feel really, really good about where this defensive team is. Remember this when you're coaching. Put yourself in a coach's shoes. You can't do anything about the players that you have, their ability. They are there. You know, that's who you have to work with. That's not going to change. 
But what you can do is put each of those players, evaluate them, and put each of those players in a position where they at least have an opportunity to be successful. And that was what the big uh, takeaway I got from that scrimmage was. Uh, on the uh, offensive side of the ball, uh, it was, as I said, sloppy in some instances. But ball protection was excellent. There wasn't a single ball that hit the ground. I don't know. I, I'm – I'm guessing they ran probably 100 plays, maybe a little bit more than that. There were no fumbles. There were no balls on the ground. Uh, there were pretty crisp throws. You know, look, I'm sure there were mistakes on where they thought. But, but, but it was a very positive scrimmage from that. And as I mentioned defensively, uh, it, was, it was a good, solid practice from tackling and physicality. All of those things looked good. Remember, this is the first scrimmage for quarterbacks with full-speed pass rush. Now, they were tackling them. And there were probably a couple of times, and Coach Heupel mentioned this in his press conference after, where the quarterbacks could have pulled the ball down and run. But because of the way they were doing the scrimmage, the officials, if you got close, if a pass rusher got close, they blew the whistle and killed the play. So I'm going to say there were probably two or three opportunities that these quarterbacks, and a couple of them can run, uh, can run, run very well, probably would have pulled it down and got some positive yards. This was not past Skelton where you had six on seven, where you have no rush. This was rush. They were in your face. Uh, and it affected the quarterback because there, there wasn't a whole lot of blitzing on this defensively, but there were some defensive linemen that came through. Big positive, and again, I'll try to talk. I'm going to talk about the positives uh, as we go through today's show. Defensive line really looked like a completely different unit. Uh, I, maybe I talk about Rodney Garner too much, uh, but uh, he, I know him. I've watched him, and more importantly, I know people who have coached with him. I watched last spring, and quite frankly, the defensive line looked like about like they did last fall. That's not what they look like now. There have been a couple of players leave that he says has helped the overall defensive room, uh, defensive tackle and, and defensive end room. And quite frankly, he's had some players that have come on. Uh, I'm going to discuss that just a little bit later. Uh, just a couple of other quick thoughts on this, and then I'm going to get into uh, a, a couple of other uh, situations here. Uh, players that I saw, Peyton, the wide receiver, really moving up in the receiving rank. Look, look good. Several of them look good out there. Uh, one thing that's clear to me, too, and I haven't been talking about this youngster because I just assumed, which is bad on me, that he probably – was just there because they hadn't had anybody else to step up yet. The Garland youngster may well start at linebacker. Uh, he might be their best linebacker right now. They have put him on full scholarship. Of course, his brother was a, is a defensive lineman. He walked on at Tennessee. Uh, he's been out there in the spring. Again, I assumed wrongly uh, that it was because they didn't have anybody else put there. Well, right now, I would say he's probably going to be the starter. Right now, if he had to do it right now, alongside uh, Banks at linebacker. Uh, running back, these are just things that just jumped out at me. Small Evans or Evans small, impressive running backs. You're going to see those guys catching the ball out of the backfield, running, they're quick, they're physical, good-looking running backs. I was fortunate enough uh, to coach some really, really quality running backs when I was at Tennessee. Uh, and these two young men would certainly would have fit into that group. They are very impressive. Beckwith is going to be a guy that they will utilize, I think, in many different areas. Big, physical, certainly in short yards. But a couple of other guys that caught my eye. And, again, these are just guys that jumped out. Uh, 
McDonald has at safety and slaughter two young players at the nickelback position. So uh, those uh, those are just some some things uh, that that again from that first scrimmage that uh, that uh, jumped out at me. All right, one thing let's hit on that also. Tennessee down to three quarterbacks now. Bailey, Hooker, Milton. I've saved that for the last on this. Uh, I don't know exactly what the the situation is with Maurer. I know that he has missed the last three practices, including the scrimmage. Uh, we probably can read the tea leaves on that, but I don't know that. So anyway, it's Bailey, Hooker, Milton, or it's Milton, Hooker, Bailey, or it's Hooker. It's one of those three. You get a pretty good idea of watching, uh, you know, watching the scrimmage. But you again, you what you don't know, or what I don't know is I'm watching the scrimmage. You know, were the receivers running the wrong routes? There wasn't much of that. But I guess the point I'm making is the evaluation of the quarterbacks is something that that Josh Heupel and Halsey, Coach Halsey, will do. Uh, where they are right now, I don't know. Uh, it there's they all they all have particular talents. The thing that that uh, that Milton brings, and the thing that Hooker brings, that Bailey does not bring. And this isn't a negative. It's just the way, you know, when you everybody brings different things to the table. They both have the ability to pull the ball down and run. Uh, Milton in particular, but Hooker's good at it too. That's not Bailey's game. Uh, now, uh, that doesn't mean that you can't be a quality quarterback. Uh, you, all you got to do is go back and look at Mac Jones down at Alabama. He couldn't pull the ball down and run either. Pretty good quarterback. I'm not saying Bailey's Bailey's uh, Mac Mac Jones, but he has a lot of talent. We're going to get down to one or two probably quarterbacks, and eventually down to one. Uh, there's only three there uh, left there right now. But uh, uh, anyway, quarterback situation coming along. Uh, I'll leave that to the uh, I'll leave that to the uh, uh, head coach to decide on who that's going to be. I'm pretty sure we will have one, though, uh, when Thursday game opens up. One thing I, I want to bring, bring up, you know, uh, watching what happens and seeing what happens off the field kind of tells you about coaches. I, I believe I brought this up a few weeks ago because it was interesting to me. Let's go back a couple of weeks ago or a month ago, whenever it was. Remember when, uh, when Coach Heupel – brought in uh, a young man, a quarterback from UCF who walked on. He was, a, I think, a redshirt freshman for him at, at, uh, at, uh, uh, at Central Florida, UCF. When he brought him in, Gaston Moore was his name. At the time, you know, you don't just do things like that just because to do things like that. I don't think there's any question mentioned at the time. They're bringing him in. Coach Heupel know, knew and, and probably still knows that he was going to lose a quarterback or two of the four that were at the University of Tennessee that going into this fall when it became apparent who the starter and probably the backup is going to be. He knew that. And I think it tells you a little bit about him and his forward thinking. He brought in Gaston Moore as a walk-on. Why? To run the scout team. He knows the system to run the scout team, maybe even more so than that. But certainly that he also has a couple of other walk-on uh, quarterbacks who will be involved in the scout team part of it. And that is an important part, putting on the demonstration team, running the other teamers' plays. they got Sully McDermott, who's a freshman out of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. they got Spencer Smith, who's a redshirt sophomore for, for Germantown. But again, 
forward thinking, looking in this case, you know, a couple of three months down the road for the head coach and knowing that he was probably going to lose a quarterback to maybe had no idea who it was going to be. Well, apparently that has happened right now. So again, those are just little things you see about coaches and uh, see how they do things. Very smart and, uh, and, and, and very, uh, very, very important. Uh, all right, let me see here. Uh, church segment just about over here. I'm going to come back and talk about the importance of Tuesday scrimmage. It is a huge one. I'm also going to talk about the good news. Whatever the results for this year are, there's a lot of good news as we look at where this squad is right now and the players and the classes that they're in, and I'm talking about the, the year in school that they're in, and also recruiting going forward. Uh, we'll discuss that when we come back from this break. Mid-10 forward. Hey, you a truck person? I am. Are you a Ford truck person? I am. And if you are, well, you're a mid-10 Ford truck person because that's what they are. They are truck people. The Boyd family they have a lot of good qualities. No, most of them. But they're truck people. And if you're looking for a truck, yeah, they'll sell you an SUV. Uh, they can probably get you whatever you want, but more importantly, if you if you need a truck, they got it. I'm driving the Ford Ranger right now, XLT. Absolutely love it. But whether it's that, I'm a smaller truck guy, F-150 all the way up to the heavy duties. If you need yours worked on, if you need it painted, if you need it, uh, you got a few dents in it, or maybe a, some big dents. They got the collision center. In other words, anything and everything has to do with the truck, and they'll do that with automobiles too. But again. Emphasis on trucks, Mid-10 Ford. Right off Foster Avenue, you can check out where they are at mid10trucks.com. Welcome back into Big Orange Sunday. Let's take a look uh, after nine practices, and that includes one scrimmage uh, for the University of Tennessee is right now. Here's what uh, here's the way I would break down these positions. I'm going to go through them rather quickly. Uh, this is going to be 90 to 95% correct, maybe even more than that. Start with the linebacker position. As I mentioned earlier, Garland clearly in the picture there now. Banks is in the picture uh, there uh, also, I would say. Just from looking at it, probably those two will be the starters. Again, may, may, may not work out that way. Uh, Garland's been around a long time. Banks has been around quite a while. Garland had a good spring, by the way. And again, he, he has been put on full scholarship. After that, you got Beasley, who has looked very good. You had the Mitchell Youngster, the, the transfer in from Texas, talented. Uh, you got Joseph, who was a defensive outside linebacker, defensive in tight. Uh, he's came in. You got Mohan. Uh, who again is a transfer uh, and, and and a lot of quickness and and Willis, the freshman. I would say that Joseph and Willis are what I refer to as soakers. They just need to learn the position. Mohan just because of his youth on that. And again, 
you know, I, I think to, it, to me, it's pretty clear the two of those starters, if healthy, are going to be Banks, Garland, Mitchell, two of those three. Uh, and the only reason I say that about Mitchell is really talented, but it's a different system. So anyway, love time to get a lot of time before that, that decision has to be made. All of them, all of those three for sure are going to play. Beasley for sure is going to play. So you got, you got, you got depth there a little. That's the one position again, that if I was uh, the coordinator of this defense, you know, you, there's some concerns there about certainly about the depth part of it. Defensive tackle. To those two tackle positions. I have people bring this up to me because I think they've heard it and read it. I don't understand where anybody is saying that Tennessee has a depth problem at the two defensive tackle positions. If anything, they've got a lot of probably you don't ever have too many, but we're only talking about two positions here. They got five seniors. In here, and I don't know exactly sure. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, just a little bit later in the show, I'm gonna talk about what I believe Coach Hyper will do with his opening lineup. But certainly, the leader of that group, and probably the leader of the whole defense right now, is Matthew Butler. Talented player, quality player, graduated, smart as a whip. Uh, he's gonna be the starter at probably the left tackle, one of those two tackle positions, and then. Probably going to be one of four, three or four seniors: Blakely, Solomon, Garland, uh, the Tremblay youngster. I'm not sure uh, he's a, either a senior or uh, or got two years eligibility. I'm not sh- sh- uh, quite sure on that. But then we have underclassmen there in Simmons, who's really coming along. Thomas Bailey, Terry, the transfer in from uh, uh, from Kansas, talented player, and McNeil, talented player. So. We're not as bad off there. Matter of fact, we're in pretty darn good shape there when you get right down to it. The defensive end position, a lot of that's going to be determined about where they play Bumpus. Bumpus has lost weight. Again, he's a senior, a fifth-year kid. He also can play defensive tackle. Uh, Barron is going to be the the uh, starter at one one end. And, and then, again, whether they – I'll get into this in just a second – whether it's Bumpus – Young is a comer, a talented, talented player. He reminds me a lot just watching him of Leonard Little, a little bit bigger than Leonard, as a matter of fact, but he has got quickness, can come off the ball. The same for Eason, and, of course, Harrison has been moved back out there. I would consider both those guys soakers also. Cornerback position, you got Taylor and Burrell. Don't think there's any question there. Talented players. you got the two. Grad or not grad, the two transfers that came in, Turnage and Haddon. Turnage really looking sharp. Both of them looking good. And then you got the fifth-year senior, George Jr., and a freshman, Rucker, there. Good position there. We're in much better position depth. we got 12 defensive backs for those five positions that can play. Now, probably nine of them, eight of them, are, are, are experienced and quality players. At the safety position, Flowers and Nickel, those three positions. It's going to be Flowers, McCullough, and Jackson. Got McDonald, who's really coming along at safety. Good-looking player. He, remember, was kind of an outside linebacker type. They got him back at safety, <clears throat> and he looks good. You got Slaughter at the nickel back position. You got Charles. So that's the defensive side of the ball. Again, I'll get into it a little bit later in the show, but this is what – from talking with the coaches and just simply watching, this is where this football team is right now 
after nine practices. Defensively, or offensively, excuse me, Evans and Small is the running back, interchangeable, going to play. They're very similar players. Evans out of junior college, been very impressed with him. They've always been impressed with Small. Beckwith, you know, as he continues to come, he's got an opportunity. Uh, what's going to be really, really interesting to me is what they do with Beckwith going forward because he is so talented. He can play so many positions. Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, I felt like this when I was coaching running backs. You hate to have a quality player standing on the sideline. You only play one one running back. You know, so we'll, we'll I, I don't know what they're going to do with him. He is a power runner. He has speed. He can catch the football. And then the freshman right, he, he fits right into that uh, mold of Evans and Small. Again, he's just a young man that, using the word against, going to have to soak a little bit. Gonna have to soak up knowledge. Gonna have to soak soak up experience. Will he play this year? I would say he probably will play this year. Tight ends, Fant and Warren, without question. And you got two soakers there, freshman Campbell and Nixon, both talented. Nixon's a guy, he's a lot like the same type of ability, not from running back position, but he, he is a lot like D Beckwith. He is a good-looking athlete who can run, catch, can play. I would defensive end. He can play a lot of positions. Uh, he does. I'm glad he's on our football team. Let me put it like that. Offensive lineman, real quickly on that. Looks like Calvert is out for the year. That has not been said, but let's just assume he's not going to be there. I don't think there's any doubt if they started a game today, it would be Cade Mays and Wright at tackles. <clears throat> One the tackle, you know, like which one they're gonna play, don't know. They're both important. You know, everybody talks about that left tackle position, that right tackle position, they're is important. You know, you all of them are important. Uh you got Davis and Crawford, who are back up there. Crawford's really has, has, has come along. He's a junior college transfer. Davis, of course, has, has had a good spring. And then you got three youngsters there. Again, I'll discuss these in the younger part of it. Perry Robinson and Parker. They are soakers, but they're big. They're getting a lot of work, and Perry and Robinson in particular, Parker coming along, but he's a true freshman. Perry and Robinson have been there. This is their second season. They're redshirt freshmen, but they have really come along since last spring. Got to give the offensive line coach, you know, a, a pat on the back for that. Offensive guard is going to be Carvins and Spragans, and then Cade Bays could play in there. You got Harris and Lane, Akporzny. They are the soakers, so to speak. I think Cooper Mays is clearly uh, entrenched at the offensive center position. He also can play guard. Carvin can slip in there and play. You got Lampley, uh, who's a soaker in there also. So that's kind of what that part of it looks like uh, after the first scrimmage. All right. Uh, let me hit the, I'm going to start on this. Uh, let, let's talk about the importance of Tuesday scrimmage. So that's where we are right now, what I just talked about. And pretty much those are the guys that are going to be playing that first ball game again, assuming that they're healthy. You know, you, you are who you are. And just from me looking at it, this is a much better group, a much better group. I'm not talking about from a coaching perspective, although I do think they're, they're, they're better coached. This is a much better group than Tennessee started the season with last year. All right. Uh, some people do not like to hear this. I had a good discussion with 
with several people that I think a lot of up on the hill. And, and, and let me, I've been meaning to say something about this anyway. There's a, there's a group of Tennessee people fans, and they certainly uh, have a right to their own opinion. Got no problem with that at all. But, you know, every coach has coached up there, uh, and every player has had some good points and some bad points. I don't think it does any good to continue pointing. If you want to do it, that's fine. So skin off me, to continue to talk about the bad things, the bad things that our former quarterback did, the bad things that our, our, uh, our head football coach did. Let me, let me tell you a good thing that our former head football coach did. He did some things up there that he deserved to get fired for. And he, the more I dig into it here, he was a tough guy to be around up there. But let me tell you what he did do. Coach Heupel, I think, would be the first to tell you this. He left – a much, much better football team athletically than he inherited when he took the job. So are you right to say, hey, you know, he, he, uh, he screwed a lot of things up up there? Absolutely. Did he bring it all on himself? Absolutely. But he also did some good stuff. And that goes for former coaches, former athletic directors, former players. So you're not going to hear any of that on this show. I'm fully aware of the things, the good and the bad, and the bad sometimes overtook the good from everybody up there. And certainly when I was there, same way. The bottom line is this, you know, this, this, this is a team. I don't care what, I don't care what anybody writes about, says about. I don't care what any, and maybe I'm wrong on this. I don't care what, it, what anybody that goes and watches 15 minutes of practice writes about. This football team has an opportunity to be a good football team. I think it has an opportunity to be better than a good football team. Now, how are they going to match up when they go up against other teams in this conference? I don't know because I don't know that much about those other teams. But I do know what this team looks like. I know how this team's being coached. I know how this offensive and defensive staff and head football coach are coaching. I know, and I know what a good football team looks like. Now, how that's going to compare again to who we play well, that's going to be determined out on the field. But for this group, and I'll close on this, for this group, we've got a good-looking football team. We've got a lot. Don't have as many as we would like. We have a lot of guys can play at a high level. We've got a lot of guys with experience on this team. So, anyway, that's kind of, that's kind of where we are on that. Uh, let me take a quick break. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to talk about the second scrimmage this Tuesday, the importance of that what needs to happen there. And then I'm going to also talk about what my perception is of how Coach Hyper will will handle the starting line, the first game, getting ready for this first game. Quick break, and we'll come back and talk about that. Uh, the uh, uh, One of the best play, things that I did a few years ago was I needed health insurance, and I really looked around for, for – uh, for, for health insurance. And I wanted to work with someone, as I always do. I always try to do any business I do with someone who's local, and certainly, if not local, in the state of Tennessee. I found both, and can handle what I need. I found both of those, all three of those, at Farm Bureau Health Plans. That's where I have my health insurance. Number one, they're local. They're even more local right down in Columbia. All their claims are processed there. And they have a, a, a good number of plans that was right for me. 
I picked the one that was right for me. They can do the same thing for you. Farm Bureau Health Plans here in Tennessee, uh, very competitive in the rates, have outstanding customer service. They got a, over 180 offices in the state, one in every single county. There's one about a mile and a half from me. Got high quality health plans. They got a large provider network. Bottom line is this. If you're looking to change your health insurance or if you don't have health insurance, check out what they can do for you. Plan on us is what they say. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Plan on us at fbhp.com. This is Big Orange Sunday. We are brought to you by Wilson Bank and Trust, Middle Tennessee's Community Bank. Let's talk about this upcoming scrimmage Tuesday, August the 17th. Defensively, build on the first scrimmage. You had a very good scrimmage. You got to feel good about yourself, both as a player and a coach. Build on that. Offensively, well, quite frankly, they need to show what kind of offense this can be. Uh, I don't, I've been in a, a lot of different staff rooms after you get your butt kicked on a scrimmage. Been on the other side too. What better, you know, you don't, the head football coach doesn't spend nearly as much time in your staff room uh, if you've had a good scrimmage. Uh, as he does in the side of the ball that has not had a good scrimmage. Now, Coach Heupel spends more time in the offensive staff room anyway. But bottom line on this, they were embarrassed. Quite frankly, they were embarrassed. First scrimmage, they got out hit. They got out physical. They got out played. And they got out coached by the defensive team. Uh, that is not uncommon. You know, very well, I'll touch on that in just a second. The only question on this offense is this that I see is who's going to start a quarterback. And that might not be a question in Coach Heifel's mind. I have to believe he has a good idea uh, of who the starters are going to be, uh, who the backup's going to be. Uh, and maybe it's close. I don't think there's any doubt about that right now. All that's going to get worked out in games. And I, uh, I would – I would suspect in this first ball game, if it goes away, hopefully. Well, listen, Bowling Green's a bad football team. was last year anyway. But we last couple of years, well, we ain't going to talk about the last couple of years. Bottom line is this, though. So, uh, I'm sure he had a great idea who it's going to be. He may know who it's going to be, but that's the only really question right now. Wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, running backs, those are set. And that includes the rotations at all those positions. All right? But – to, say, to seal those up, to seal those down, if you're a player right now, probably this Tuesday scrimmage is going to be the last opportunity for young men to work their way into uh, the travel squad, which puts you on the, uh, the plane rotation at some point. Now, yes, during the season, you can still work on and get better at that, but this is probably going to be the last opportunity for some of those players, 13 players, maybe uh, pushing for a second team to show the coaches what they can do. Because after this scrimmage, they may or may not have another one. But quite frankly, they're going to do a whole lot of, of, of hitting, uh, you know, a full-speed uh, scrimmage hitting going forward after this scrimmage. That would be my suspicion, at least. So coming back and let me I, – I fully expect the way you, this comes and goes, uh, I fully expect offensively they'll come out and have a much, much, much better scrimmage. We'll see. Uh, all right, much the same on the defense side of the ball. Really, the only question, real question, is the linebacker position that I mentioned earlier. Looks clearly to me it's Banks, Garland, and Mitchell right there. Two of those three most likely will start. Uh, and again, who starts is one thing. Who ends up playing is quite the other. Secondary set, defensive tackle is set. Barron is set at one defensive end. The other defensive end, 
and I'm going to touch more in more detail on this just in just a second, likely will be bumpus. However, young is going to be a big factor quickly. And of course, all of the above uh, of, of uh, those is conditional on, on the health, on no injuries. So not a lot of questions on who will play in the position rotation. Uh, the coaches have them identified uh, for the most part. Every one of these position coaches, these two coordinators, they got a really good idea who's going to start, who's going to play, uh, what their uh, matchups and rotations can be. They have all they 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 have all that they they know by now. They have a really good idea on that. Uh, all right, I'm gonna. Well, I got a break. I got to get in here. Let me go to it a little bit later. All right, let me let me cl close pretty much with this. I'll touch on a couple things when we come back and break. Here's what I expect Coach Hypo to do. I've I've found out a lot about him from places that he's been, talking to people, having to know somebody had almost ever stopped that he's made except UCF. Uh, let me tell you what I expect that he will do and, and why I will expect him to do this. Here's what I've learned from Coach Heupel about him and from him talking to him. Coach Heupel is a player coach in a good way. Uh, and I believe that this is what he will do in this starting lineup. I think he is going to reward the leaders in every position that he can. Players like Matthew Butler and Latrell Bumpus and Alante Taylor and Jaquan Blakely and Theo Jackson, defensive seniors who have led the player workouts, who have been vocal leaders and leaders by example on the defensive side of the ball in fall practice on offense, offensively, Princeton Fant, Vellis Jones Jr., Cade Mays, just to mention a thing, there's probably others. And here's why I think this. Coach Heupel knows from his playing experience at Oklahoma. He knows this from his coaching experience. He knows the huge plus of senior leadership. Most good football teams have senior leadership, not all. And from those seniors, just, just think about this if you're Coach Heupel. Just think about this. Those seniors who have put the time and most importantly, and this is what I know means a lot to him, all those guys that I mentioned and a few others, they stayed in this program when each one of them could have left. Some could have graduated. Matthew Butler is going to go on. He has a, 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 a uh, almost fully paid for secondary education. All these guys stayed around. They didn't have to. They had a bunch of others leave. They stayed in this program when they could have left. And I know from talking to Coach Heupel how important that is. So this first ball game, we may see him start all these seniors. I don't know. But I know he's going to honor them. And I have no doubt that, that these guys are going to be rewarded for the leadership that they have shown and for the very fact that they stayed in a program that would have probably been about as easy to leave. Every, I think every one of these seniors have already graduated. They stayed in this program to help rebuild this program. I believe he's going to reward them for that. We'll see. Let me take my last break. We've got a second or two. I'll come back and, uh, and talk about it. Double Dogs Restaurant, newest one up in Gallatin. If you stop by up there, a bunch of you have. Heck, they may have to expand that place. It's going great guns up there. Regardless, wherever you all, two right here in Nashville, Hillsborough Village, Charlotte Pike, one up in Gallatin, got a couple up in Knoxville, got one in Bowling Green or two. One, I think. 
and it got one up and it, they're all over the place. Great food, great entertainment, great Tennessee people with a, with a capital T, a power T, if you will. They got all the signature dishes, but got 30 TVs. You can take your whole family in there. You can have your fun. I've done that myself. Stop in to see them. Great food, great entertainment, excellent sponsors of this show, and I certainly appreciate it. We'll take a quick break. We're right back on Big Orange Sunday. Well, I never get through everything I want to talk about today. We'll, uh, again, the scrimmage, I'll be there Tuesday. I'll be talking more about that uh, on the next Sunday show on that. I'll leave you with this one thing. One of the things I wanted to uh, uh, talk about today was some good news. I think I've talked a lot about good news. One, just keep this in mind as you go through, think about where Tennessee's heading on this. Do you know uh, that we have at least 43? I might have miscounted one or missed one or two. We got 43 football players, scholarship football players on this team that have three years of eligibility or more on this team. 18 of them have four years. Uh, and you go down this list, all of them are good football players. Some of them have an opportunity to be excellent. So as you're looking forward, which we always try to do here, that's a big plus. 43 scholarship football players that have three years of eligibility that remain. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next Sunday on Big Orange Sunday, brought to you by Wilson Bank and Trust. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. Sebastian Maniscalco. I'm a comedian. In my 20s, I was in like in a company, and I don't know like how marketing, sales. Yeah, you're a brand. You're a company. Yeah, and like Jay Z says, I'm a businessman. Yeah, yeah. To that, remind me not to quote any hip hop lyrics again. That was just a big miss. When you first said, it, "I'm like, yeah, he's a businessman." Yeah, I nailed it at the end. I pulled it together. It just took me a minute. The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen.